get into, we're getting back into the book of Mark today. So today's scripture is from Mark 6. This is the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Thanks, Cindy. Uh, when I was in college, I was invited to a conference. It was a Christian conference, and I was, I was Christian in college, and, and I, but I had never been to one of those things. And so I was just like, okay. You know, I had a lot of buddies kind of give me the peer pressure. And so I figured, okay, this will be cool. It will be inspirational teaching. There will be a lot of music. It will be great. And uh, there was about two, 3,000 people there. And this was long before I met Cindy. I thought, maybe I'll meet somebody. So, um, you know, I, so this is going to be fun. So I went. It was an awesome time. And then day three came, and they said, okay, today is evangelism day. And I said, what now? It's like, what you're going to do is we're going to break everybody into all these little groups. Some people are going to go with, with the homeless. Some people are going to go with the senior, uh, senior citizens. Some of you guys are going to go out into downtown. This was in San Diego. And you're just going to share your faith out there. It's going to be awesome. And I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, okay. And I'm like, please let me be in one of those first groups. And, of course, when I get to my group, they say, you are with the downtown team. Just go share your faith out there. I was like, whoo, okay. So I stepped out. I've never, I had never done this before. Just totally nervous, like, what's going to happen? And the first guy I go up to, he's waiting for a, a train. And I said, I, I didn't I had zero clue what I was going to do. I said, I said uh, can we talk about Jesus? And he did exactly what you think he would do. And that was just give me this long stare of like, seriously? I was like, um, yeah. And uh, he said, you know what? I'm waiting here for 15 minutes for my train. Why not? And I was like, okay, cool. And then we just got in this awesome conversation, actually. I wasn't anticipating this about Jesus. I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then I was walking along the street uh, with a buddy of mine, and uh, we were, there was this person coming up. Uh, it was one of those things where you saw them coming, and my buddy was like, hey, we should talk to them about, you know, Jesus, we should share our faith. And, I'm, and by this point in the relationship, that meant that I should do it. And I'm like, oh, goodness, okay. And so here he comes, and I went, and I talked to him, and it actually ended up being a really cool conversation in the sense that this guy was like, oh, my goodness, this is what I needed to hear today. I received this. And I'm just like, did that just happen? Like, what happened? Now, all of the conversations were not like that. But we got to the end of the day, and we went to the, the, the conference kind of had all these guys, I mean, you know, thousands of people there. They said, hey, what we want to do is uh, allow an open mic. Everybody who had a story they want to share, come up and share. And so there's this huge line that went up. And story after story of folks just out there loving on the community, college students spending money that they didn't have, just to be a blessing to people, just because of the nature of needs coming up in the conversations that they were willing to have with people and just blessing on people. And I just sat there and I thought, oh my goodness, this is really cool. I never would have chosen to do this. I don't know if I'd ever do that again type thing, but what a cool experience. I, and I got to be a part of that. And not only that, that's a day I actually look back on and be like, man, a lot happened for me and my faith in that experience. This is a passage that Cindy just read talking, talking about being sent. 
being sent, living on missions as Christians. Now, real quickly at the top, this is the application point is not, and now go out and do what I just told you we're going to do. No, it's actually a lot more natural and a lot more just coming up in, in, in everyday life of how we can live being sent. Because what we've seen here, building through the book of Mark, is Jesus working with his disciples. We've seen a progression. First, he called them. Chapter 1, come, be my followers, and I will make you fisher of people. And then in chapter 3, he designates them his disciples. He says, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to be with you. Chapters 4 and 5, what we've been looking at just before the Christmas break, he's been teaching them. There's a number of times where we see this happen, but he says, you know, the secret of the kingdom of God, I've given to you. I've made it available to you. And then now here in chapter 6, in verse 7, he says, calling the 12 to him, he sent them out. So there's this idea of sending them out, which, by the way, if we've been paying attention to this book of Mark and all the interactions the disciples have been having with Jesus, I don't know about you, but I can't help but scratch my head and think, what in the world is Jesus thinking sending these guys out? Because they have already any number of times impeded Jesus' ministry, they have become exasperated with Jesus a few times. They have even at one point opposed him. And yet Jesus says, I'm sending you guys out. Higher level, I think here's what's happening here, is being, living being sent is not just good for getting the word out, spreading the message, which is an obvious thought of what Jesus is about, but it's also a, an important part of growing in the faith as a believer. And so what I want to do is look today at how this played out in the disciples' lives here in this text, and then understand today, what does that mean for us? What are some small ways that we can live being sent? Okay, not the hybrid, just what, is it, what, can it, what does it mean here in the Silicon Valley? So, uh, first thought, what we see here in this text is Jesus uh, sent them to do holistic ministry. And we see that really in uh, these uh, summary verses it says in, in verse, uh, verses 11 and, uh, excuse me, 12 and 13, they went out and they preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So there are at least three components here. They preached, so that's, you know, there's a teaching component. Uh, they cast out demons. There's some sort of spiritual component here. And then they were healing. They were meeting physical needs. This is holistic ministry that Jesus was calling in, uh, them into. Which, by the way, is a pattern we see over and over again, all in the New Testament, in Jesus' life and just after his life, is that whenever there were, for example, healings going on, it was always accompanied with preaching, with teaching, with the, which, with the good news. And, by the way, whenever you saw preaching, it was almost always accompanied with healings. They go hand in hand. It's the spiritual component meeting physical needs, this holistic ministry which is a real value we have here at Current, by the way. Uh, that's why, for instance, when we're out in the community doing community building events, uh, we're trying as best we can not only to offer community uh, to this surrounding area and as we can, but to put in a little spiritual marker as we can. Uh, you know, get up there and say, hey, we're all part of a church startup. If you'd like to join us, we meet right there. Or maybe we pray for the meal. That's all intentional of having uh, uh, meeting uh, holistic ministry. Or, for instance, this is why we've been partnering with Freedom House. Freedom House, this ministry uh, helping survivors of human trafficking, they're providing real uh, tangibly for these gals uh, in terms of counseling, in terms of getting them equipped, training, education to get into the workforce, get their lives back up and going. But they also offer 
Bible study on the side. They don't force the girls to go, by the way, but they just offer it as an opportunity to say, hey, we are trying to provide all of this. Uh, and so this is a real uh, emphasis that we have here at Current. And, and by the way, uh, before uh, uh, making this point a little bit uh, stronger here, the emphasis is always on, as I see it, the teaching. Uh, even here, by the way, you see in verse 6, Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Uh, was he not healing when he was doing that? Um, I th- you know, he most certainly was. That's what Jesus did. But the emphasis is the teaching. Um, we need to have an emphasis of teaching, which I find very interesting because I think uh, a lot of uh, conversations that I have had, and maybe you felt this yourself, have been, man, I love that the church is about doing good works, that they're doing humanitarian good here in this community, around the world, but I really wish they could do it without that Jesus thing. I really wish that spiritual component didn't have to be part of it. And if you've ever thought this or felt this yourself or heard someone say that, you'd actually be in really good company, but we can't separate the two. Uh, Matthew Paris, a guy who writes for the London Times, uh, wrote an article. uh, He's a self-identified atheist, but after returning to visit Africa where he actually grew up as as a kid, uh, he, he wrote an article that he titles, As an atheist, I truly believe Africa needs God. And here's what he says. Now a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa, sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. This won't be on your screen. But he said, he goes on to say, I used to avoid this truth by applauding, as you can, the practical work of missions churches in Africa. It's a pity, I would say, that salvation is part of the package. But Christians, black and white, working in Africa, do heal the sick, do teach people to read and write, and only the severest kind of secularist could see a mission hospital or school and say the world would be better without it. I would allow that if faith was needed to motivate missionaries to help, then fine. But what counted was the help, not the faith. But this doesn't fit the facts. Faith does more than support the missionary. It is also transferred to his flock. This is the effect that matters so immensely and which I cannot help observing fascinating thought. He's saying, I've reached a a, a conclusion that staggers me, and that is salvation in Jesus cannot be separated from the good works that Christians are doing there. In fact, it is indispensable to changing people's lives and hearts in Africa as he saw it. I I recommend, I suggest checking out that article because he then lists off all the ways that he's seen that, but the two can't be separated, meeting physical needs and having a spiritual impact We've, we've got we've to offer holistic ministry. Uh, okay, that's Africa. Okay, this text is, you know, first century Palestine. What does that mean for us in the Silicon Valley? What, what holistic ministry, loving others, serving others, do we offer as a church here in Mountain View in Silicon Valley? Um, I, I imagine we could add to this list, but as I was thinking about it, at least three came to my mind. Number one, we offer community. This week. I was in a conversation. Cindy was there, and we were talking to a guy, and he, you know, he said, what, you know, what are you up to? What have you been doing? And we said, oh, you know, we're, we're part of a church startup. He said, really? That's awesome. I was like, oh, okay. So that's awesome. The Silicon Valley feels so isolating. This is, these are his words. I'm so glad that you guys are starting up a way for people to get more connected to community. 
Cindy and I looked at each other like, that's the big part of the vision of what we're trying to do. Like, you want to come? He lives in the East Bay, but that was his own thought. We offer community. I think we offer compassion. Here's what I think happens in the Silicon Valley. I wonder if this is your experience. Because we are so busy, because we are so stressed or whatever, of things that are happening in our lives, we become tunnel vision. And all the things that matter are our own problems in front of us. But Jesus says it cannot be that way. We need to be thinking about open to looking for helping other people in their trouble, in their, what they're facing. You know that little part of that verse that says they uh, uh, anointed them with oil? Like, what's that all about? Like, is there some magical substance to the oil? Like, no, not really, no. It, what it meant was it was a symbolic a picture for the, for what was going on spiritually underneath the surface. What it meant the disciples had to be doing if they were anointing people with oil was stopping, asking about needs, listening, and praying. Stopping, asking, listening, and praying. I think we could do with some more stopping, asking, listening, and praying in the Silicon Valley. Don't you think? Hey, how are you doing? How's it going? And just seeing how we can be a blessing to other people. Following up with people. I was talking to someone today who said, you know, I was, I was praying for somebody at work. And I let them know. And it's, it's just a way for me to help them understand that there's more going on. Um, we offer community. We offer compassion. And then we can't forget that we offer Christ. It's a part of what we offer here in the Silicon Valley. It seems to me that if there's one character in the Bible that summarizes so well Joe Silicon Valley, Jane Silicon Valley, it's the rich young ruler. And we're going to get there in, in Mark 10. But there's this guy who comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments? You know, honor your father, your mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. You, you know these. And the guy responds saying, oh my goodness, I, I've done all of that since I was a little kid. I'm spiritual, Jesus. I've got it all figured out. And in the very next verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said, one thing you still lack, go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Then come follow me. And it says that the man left sad for he had much possessions. I just think that's such a picture of the Silicon Valley because we are content in what we have. We don't, God doesn't need to fill anymore. There's, there's, nothing, there's no place for him to fill in our lives. I, I think there's good reason Jesus, other places says, um, blessed are the poor. He is saying that there's a spiritual advantage, if you will, for the poor to understand that really there's a need that we have for God that other things just will not fill. But the rich have a harder time finding. And that's why when the rich young ruler left, Jesus let out this huge sigh. He said, oh, how hard it is. For the rich to enter the kingdom of God. But that's the Silicon Valley. We have what we need. By the way, I'm not just talking about people who aren't Christian, who don't identify as Christian. This is all of us. We all need Christ preached to us, afresh or for the first time to receive. We need Christ. We need Him. We need holistic ministry, and we need to make that available to others. So what does this mean for us? Look, if there's a high-level theme, I think, running through these verses, I think it's that Jesus is saying there needs to be a real sense of urgency here. For starters, he's saying with these disciples, you might not feel like you're qualified. You probably aren't really in, 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 certain, in some terms, but get out there. 
The message needs to get out there. And by the way, you need to be built up because I'm only here much, uh, a little bit longer. Verse 8, it says, don't pack, just get going. Verses 10 and 11, it says, it is kind of a summary. If people welcome you in, great, stay with them. But if they don't, keep moving. There's a sense of urgency. And so I think we need to have this sense of, of urgency when it comes to providing holistic ministry as a church, as individuals, meaning keeping our eyes open and just having the sense to, have, uh, to, to, to take advantage of opportunities as they come up. Here's me brainstorming again, and these are just ideas and suggestions. You, you do with it how you will. But for instance, I mean, one, one thought obviously works uh, especially well for me, but I think it could work well for you too, is that question that often comes up, what do you do? I mean, we're asked that question, I don't know how many times. What do you do? And for me, it's pretty easy. Oh, I'm, you know, doing a church startup. But you could do that too if you want. Again, this is just a suggestion. You know, I work at so-and-so, but I'm also a part of a team that's starting up a church, a church startup. And you'll find people, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Faith, is cent- faith in Jesus is actually is, is central to my life. Um, that's, just, that's just one thought. Um, what did you do this week? You've heard me talk about this. What would you do on the weekend? Hey, watch the Warriors game. Hung out with folks at the church. What, I mean, just any number of ways uh, that might be natural. I mean, you can think of your own. But a big part of our vision here, of course, and you heard Cindy say this too, is we're talking about the pub trivia event, is breaking down barriers so that people see Jesus and they see it reflected in, in our lives. Now, I anticipate uh, with a message like this, that, uh, you know, any number of us will probably think, oh my goodness, this is scary. Like, how does this play out? Like, how, this makes me nervous. And you know what? To a certain extent, that is in the text. I mean, you got to figure that when Jesus said, go, and by the way, go without hardly anything, the disciples must have been thinking, oh my goodness, like, okay, like, that's a little scary. Uh, but in another respect, it's actually really, Jesus accounts for this, as we might be feeling this. He accounts for this even in this text. And one of the ways we see that is this next thought is Jesus sends them, sent them out in community, okay? Calling verse 12, uh, excuse me, verse 7, calling the 12 to him, he sent them out two by two. Jesus sent them out in community. Now, if you've been here for any number of, uh, you know, Sundays, you, you probably thought this is going to be a point David would make. Uh, this is so central to our, our vision here is, is loving on the community around us together, and finding opportunity to do that, not just uh, on ourselves, but, but in, in groups and, and as a community. Notice here, he says, calling the 12. So there's like a body of, there's a bigger body of leaders in this case. And he sent them out two by two in smaller groups. I almost feel like that's analogous to the church body. And then community groups or, or, or families or, or friends or individuals. Um, do you want to know what our approach to evangelism is here um, at Current? You know, this word that a lot of people are just like, oh boy, evangelism. You heard me say that in my early stories, like, oh, evangelism. It's really straightforward. It's really natural. It's really what we're trying to do is just make it available in a, in a low-pressure, low-key, but a helpful way. Uh, our approach to evangelism in a culture that, by the way, sees Christianity as borderline illegal, to quote one uh, TV show, it comes straight from Jesus' words, uh, mouth himself to these 12 he said, on the night he was betrayed, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He's saying, do you want to know how to break down the barriers, even in a culture, even in like an election cycle where this is especially prevalent, where people are saying, oh, Christians are this, this, or this, hypocrites, bigots, whatever it might be. Do you want to know how to break past that? By the way, 
you know, Jesus abhors all those things, hypocrisy, bigotry, judgmentalism, all those things. You want to know how to do that? It's real simple, love. And as you do this, by the way, even if you don't do it even remotely close to how I've done it, but you do it somewhat, people won't be able to help but see that there's something different about you, and that's me. You've heard me say this. Our goal here is not to say, hey, you know, we started a church that's cool. Our goal in this is for people to find Jesus attractive and to invite people into that. Um, and so that's why we're doing events like, you know, the pub trivia and all those sorts of things. You know, there's actually an awesome, awesome opportunity in front of all of us right now coming up on February 5th. Anybody? February 5th? Super Bowl, which, by the way, even if you don't like the football game, the commercials are awesome. But it's such an awesome opportunity because we can, I encourage you to think about hosting a Super Bowl event. And invite some folks from current over. Invite, your, invite friends and invite folks from current over to invite their friends and just have a good time. And if no one shows up, you know, the commercials are still there. It's awesome. But have people get there, maybe pray beforehand if you're comfortable doing that. But just look for opportunities. You know what question will almost certainly come up? It always comes up. Is how do you guys know each other? Oh, we're a part of a church community. Oh, really? Maybe they'll respond. Maybe they won't. But you're looking for opportunities. Uh, loving and community. Um, and then uh, finally, Jesus sent them out to be completely reliant on him. I love how you said this, uh, Chris, earlier. Um, but here's the verse. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Okay, that's pretty reliant on God to show up physically. But then verses 10 and 11, they had to be spiritually reliant too. It's up on the screen, but to paraphrase it, it's like some will accept you, stay with them longer. Some will reject you. That's okay, is his point. I can't read these verses now and not remember a story of a church planner um, sharing his story in front of a bunch of group leaders uh, not long ago. Uh, he was really crazy, this guy. All church starters are crazy, but this guy was like off, off the charts. But he got up there and he said, you know what? I felt called to go to San Francisco. He lived somewhere else. I think it was out of the state. And he, he looked at this, these verses, and he said, I felt like God was telling me to go with nothing. So he just took a backpack. He moved to San Francisco. Hate Ashbury of all districts, if you know that. It's like, okay, dude, all right, good on you. And he's like, he got out there in the first week, uh, for, excuse me, first day, he was just out there, you know, for 24 hours just sharing his faith with people, uh, you know, homeless people, people on their way to work, people on their way back to work. And at the end of it, he, he was like, oh, man, this is hard. Everybody in the room was like, you think? And he just kept going. He's like, but I just feel like God's calling, you know, he's compelled me to do this. He's sharing this group, all these, all these church leaders. And so the next day he woke up. He's like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm just going to keep going and see what happens. And he's out there. Sometimes he's working with the homeless. I remember he said, I wish I could have, you know, I wanted to give the homeless stuff to eat, but I didn't even have food to eat. So I was like, I just kept out there. And he said, finally, I came across this one guy, and I shared my faith with him. And the guy actually was like, hey, man, I feel like God sent you to me today. And that's what he said. He's like, I, this, I gotta, this is for me. Like, I believe this. And this guy telling the story, he's like, I was just elated. This is like, okay. And then the guy came back to him and said, is there anything I can do for you? Like, can I, you know, can I, how can I help you? And um, this church planner said, well, uh, I don't know where I'm staying. I don't know where I'm eating. Uh, I, I don't even know how to get food. Uh, can you just pray that that would work out for me? And he said, okay. He said, and so, they, and so that guy prayed. And then he said, and by the way, I know this guy who comes down. He helps the homeless from time to time in this area. 
Maybe I can introduce you. Actually, here he's coming. He's coming. Let, let me introduce you. So that guy comes, and he introduces him uh, to, to this man who helps the homeless. And it turns out that that guy who's helping the homeless is a Christian. He's always out there. It's kind of like what he does. And the church planner meets him and says, this is my deal. And the guy says, you should start your church in my living room. By the way, you should stay in my living room. And the guy's telling the story. He's like, I would, this is just nuts. He's like, we, you guys should all do this. And we're all like, no, we're not going to all do that. But that's an awesome story. And I think, and here's what's so cool about that. As you listen to that story, as you read this text, more importantly, is the application, drop everything you're doing, get out there, and just start hanging out? No, it's not, okay? Because this is a descriptive text. It's not a prescriptive text. But there's a point here of understanding that we live, we are meant to be living sent and be reliant on God. Is it crazy times to, like, leave everything, take just a backpack and go to the Haight-Ashbury? That is crazy. Is it crazy to host a Super Bowl and look for opportunities to share our faith, put little spiritual markers down, maybe say a prayer? Uh, I think uh, that's how we can be reliant on God and see him do some wonderful things. Now, what's amazing to me here is that Jesus does not call us into anything that he himself uh, has not done or is going to do through us. I love how you were praying this, uh, Ephraka, earlier, in that at the end of the day, it's not about us doing anything anyway. Do you, do you see that here in the text? It says in verse 7, calling the 12 to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority. It's his authority. He's going to do what he's going to do. Our point is just to be there and show up and just be available. Jesus did this. Very first verse, he went around teaching from village to village. This is what Jesus embodied. And did he understand what it meant to be rejected? Absolutely. He was rejected later by the 12. Every single one of them would abandon him when he was arrested. We're out of here. This is too nuts. We're out of here. All the people would yell, crucify him. When Pilate brought him before, before the people and saying, what do I do with this guy? They yelled, crucify him. When they had just been saying, we love your miracles, Jesus. But more than that, the Bible says about every single one of us, we've all rejected him. Jesus understands what it's like to be rejected, and yet he brought the good news to us. He brought healing. Peter later would write, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. Thank God that he invested in these 12 men who were not qualified for this. In the least, thank God, because this whole movement is because he did that. This whole thing. And I love how verse 8, there's this one little verb that, ver, a word in there that I just like, I latched onto. I catch some of this. He says, he says, it's a journey. You guys are going on a journey. And I like to think of it as like an adventure. Uh, I, I love The Hobbit. I love The Lord of the Rings. The books are way better than the movies. The movie's on TBS right now. Anyways. Um, the, the Hobbit is about Bilbo Baggins, who Gandalf the wizard comes and says, I got this journey for you. You need to go on. And uh, Bilbo just says, uh, yeah, no thanks. I love my uh, hole in a hill. I'm good. 
You know, I'm content. I don't need to change. Everything in life is good. And by the way, I don't have the skills, I don't have the abilities that you think I do or would be required for me to take on what you're saying I need to take on. But through a series of events, he, he goes. He kind of relents. And then trouble hits. And then he's really like, oh, man, this stinks. I shouldn't have come. And then trouble hits more. And again, and again, and again. And what we see throughout the whole story is Tolkien, who, by the way, is a believer himself, beautifully show us the progression in Bilbo's life of going from somebody who think he had no, he had no business, uh, he was underqualified, didn't, couldn't do it, and yet at the end of it, not only saving the world, but wanting nothing to do but go back and do it again. That's all he's talking about in The Lord of the Rings by the time Frodo, his nephew's off doing it. He just wants to go do He's writing his book. All he wants to do is go back and do it again. And it's actually the journey itself that changed him into the hero that he always was but he didn't realize. God has an amazing journey for you that he's calling you into that is far greater and more amazing than you could ever think or imagine. And it's even greater than stealing from the Hobbit again, going off and saving the world with this little ring. <laughs> or to use today's terms, building a product that everybody, or being a part of a culture and supporting the companies that are building products that everybody in the world is using today. It's literally shaking eternity, is what God's called. These are the words of life that God calls us into to be on a journey, and it's, it's he who's going to do it anyways. Our goal is just to be available as we can. And is it scary because we're underqualified? Yeah, but newsflash, no one's qualified for it. Um, and actually, it's a little bit exciting because we're not qualified. And is it scary because we're not in control? Yeah, but it's also a little exciting that it is, that we're not in control because he has to do it, and it's only ever about him anyways. Um, this in real time is the journey God's put before us. We're doing it right now. This gathering is a part of it. Super Bowl Sundays, parties, that's a part of it. Pub trivia is a part of it. Setting up and tearing down, working with the kids, driving trailers. This is all a part of it. Uh, and I think the most exciting thing about this journey in my humble opinion, is that we get to do it together. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this journey you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to live sin. Lord, we, we confess that this is often hard. And we live in a culture that uh, is often not uh, the most uh, receptive to the Christian faith. Uh, in, in some respects, but in other respects, is very open to you, Jesus. And so, Lord, would you help us in the small ways? Just be available to that. Help us, give us eyes to live, even this week, just in as, just as small ways, just to kind of poke our heads out of the hole a little bit and just point people to you in a natural way. Um, and help us to do this as a community, as a, as, a, as a church family. Lord, what an exciting thing to be about. Lord, we've, we've been at this for just a few months, and just to see what you've already been doing. Lord, it's just so fun. Would you just continue to move forward and use us by your grace? Um, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at this time, we're going to continue to uh, worship God in, in song, but also uh, 